Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. All right, my friend, welcome back to another episode. I have a very special guest with me here today. This person is the co-founder of digitalmarketer.com, the War Room Mastermind Traffic and Conversion Summit. You know, just a few little names. He has consulted over 800 multi-million dollar businesses in over 60 industries, and he is personally responsible for over 500 million in online sales. Yes, that is half a billion with a B. My guest today is Perry Belcher. Perry, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. You sounded much less NPR radio right before we got started. When you started your intro, you're like, hello, welcome to NPR radio. I'm just saying, hi, how you doing? I am doing well. (laughs) (laughs) I can bring back that radio voice anytime you want. Anytime you want. I just got carried away with like digital marketer, war room, TNC. I mean, these are, these are some big things. I have to tell you, Perry, one of my favorite things recently is looking at Facebook and you will post something in some random Facebook group. You're generally asking a question and then all these people will dive in to try to help you and to be of service and to give you ideas and suggestions. And then somebody somewhere along the way comes in and says, um, you guys realize you're talking to Perry Belcher, right? <laughs> it's fun. I get a lot, man. I use that. I use groups and I use Facebook for a lot of resources because we were just, I just had one of my business partners in and, and we were talking about vetting software and I just go and ask, he's, who's using this kind of software, who's getting a good experience, who's not. It's, man, it's, that's what I use social for probably half the time. The other time I just use it to stir the pot to see what people are going to say about weird things. Yes, you know? I know. I've seen that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you listening, you can check out Perry Belcher's social media. You will see what we are talking about. So Perry, one of the things that I want to talk to you about specifically is in your bio, there's a lot of big numbers and a lot of people, especially my audience might be like, well, that has nothing to do with me because it is so far removed from where I am. And, you know, that's, that's ideally what I'd love to create, but I'm nowhere near there. But my guess is, is that it always wasn't that way for you. And I'd like to kind of rewind the tape a little bit and see where you started. I don't know your backstory. So if you could, I'd love to hear a little bit of it. Sure. Well, I, I was uh, I was born in Paducah, Kentucky, a little bitty town in Western Kentucky. My mom was a single mom. Uh, she worked as a nurse's aide in a nursing home. We, we grew up in a housing project. I was literally about as poor as anybody can be. Um, we ate peanut butter and jelly once for three weeks. I remember that. Um, so, you know, I came from a little bit of little town in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea why I'm wired the way that I am. I couldn't tell you to save my life, but I've been selling something, hustling something, working on businesses since I was eight years old, maybe. Well, what did you start with? I got suspended in elementary school for selling other kids school supplies and erasers and junk in school. <laughs> they suspended me for three days. I had, I had two two grown men working for me painting houses. I was a painting contractor with two grown men working for me painting houses when I was 15 years old in high school. They had to come pick me up from high school to drive me around to the jobs because I didn't have a car or driver's license yet. And they both worked for me during the day. I don't know why that was 
I have no freaking clue why I'm wired that way, but I've never had a job. Um, I've always done this stuff that I do. And, you know, while the number that I, that's on there that you're quoting is a big number, it's over a really long period of time. I'm old as dirt. Right. So, um, and, and even today people are like, why do you have so many businesses? Because none of them make that much money. You know, I make, I'm, a, I'm really good at building small to medium sized businesses. So in order for me to hit the income goals that I want, now a few of them have gotten big, mostly because of having good partners like Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice and, and Carla Sinsong and, and the Agora companies and com- partners that really scale well. I'm really good at building a business up to about $20 million. And beyond that, I get really bored and just, I'll, I, I used to just destroy them. I used to break them so that I could fix them again. Right. It was so stupid, but I, I figured out what I was doing after a period of time. So now when I get in a business and it's doing pretty well, I just bring in a partner that's much more stable than me and not totally insane. And I, I let the partner take over the business and then I go do something else. And I tell them up front, I'm not going to pay much attention to this anymore, but I'd still like some of the money, but I let them have eventually the lion's share of the money. Cause I, if I can own 20 or 30% of 10 things, I'd rather do that than own a hundred percent of one thing that just, you know, you know, guys out there know what I mean. Would you rather have 10 women you saw once a week? Or would you rather have, I'm just kidding. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> we had to go there already. We're only a few minutes into the show. But you know what? I, I knew what I was getting into when I asked yeah, you. I'm telling you, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do, right? You and I had a conversation not that long ago. And one of the things that you said probably multiple times when we were on the phone, you were like, this is easy. This is easy. It's just math. It's just numbers. And me coming from total 10 years ago, scarcity mindset, losing all my money, going through bankruptcy, everything being really, really bad in the financial department. I hear somebody say something like that. Well, like, this is easy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How is that possible? So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is how you think about money. Um, you know, you, your mindset about changes, depending on your situation, obviously. Right. But it's always just been score for me. It's never really, I've been willing to risk everything I had. I used to, I'm not as risk. I'm a little more risk, a little more risk averse than I used to be, but I have a really high risk tolerance. If I feel highly confident, something's going to work out. I'm really, I'm willing to risk way more than the average person is right. If it, if I, but as you get more money and as you get a little older and you like, I might not have so many bites of this apple anymore. You, I think your risk tolerance goes down, you know, uh, that's the reason I, I say when you're young, you know, take risks, risk everything you got. What's the worst thing you have to you go broke, you file bankruptcy, you do it again. Who cares? Exactly. You know, just, you know, <laughs> yep, did that, but, but, but so many people are just terrified of, they're not really terrified of, of the money for the most part has been my experience. They're terrified of, of public humiliation, public failure. What are other people going to say? Yada, yada, yada. And, and it's like, you know, being in business, like being a politician, you got to get over that because that shit will keep you down forever. And those people aren't going to come pay your bills and buy you groceries when 
if, if you do what they want you to do, you know, they ain't going to cover, if it doesn't work out, they ain't going to come cover your bills because you did what you, they wanted you to do, you know? Um, so I don't know. I just kind of do my own thing and, you know, they'll either, people either like that or they don't like it, <laughs> it but you know, <laughs> I'm not, they get offended you know, by you. <laughs> I think one thing about me is pretty true over the years. I'm pretty damn consistently disgusting. So I'm not disgusting some of the time I'm consistent, right? I'm an equal opportunity offender. I make fun of everybody and everything, including myself and, you know, but yeah, I don't think, I don't, I just see it as a score right now. Yeah. Obviously I'll tell you what I'll, I've made more money. Um, business was easier for me when I was more broke. Okay. That sounds crazy. That. Yeah, it is. Cause you're, because you're hungry, right? You know, I, a few years ago I had a meeting I was with Ryan and, uh, I just moved away from Austin and I moved to Beverly Hills and he was still in Austin and we didn't get to see each other that much. And, uh, we'd had some good licks and yeah. And I invested some of my money really wisely and did pretty well. And, and we were talking one day at the time I had about, I had $6 million in the bank just for what it's worth. And, and he said, and, and I said, uh, man, I'm so pissed at myself. I can't seem to get anything going on. I can't seem to work. I can do this. And I said, for the first time in my life, I got all these resources. I got $6 million in the bank right now. I should be able to do great things. And he said, you know why you're not doing great things? I said, why? He said, because you got $6 million in the bank. Mm. You get um, really, you start worrying and you get, you're partially complacent. You're partially worried. Um, some people get esoteric and that drives me bananas. Like they're, they're going to go save the planet now and they're going to depart all their wisdom on you because they happen to be able to make some money. Just because you made some money doesn't make you any smarter or dumber than the next guy. You just have to make some damn money. You know, I know a few people right now, one mutual friend of ours, that I won't mention that used to be just the coolest freaking guy and he made a whole bunch of money and now he's just weird, you know, and people follow him around, listening to him like he's some sort of God. And, and, and he's bought in the fact that he's kind of God, you know, oh boy. and I don't know, it's stuff like that. This makes me nuts. And, and, nice guy right but it's just i don't know it just uh what was the question <laughs> the question was how you think about money because for a long yeah. time for me it, it's this very emotional thing because if i don't let's say i don't you know get a new client or or sell an online course well i go back to what happened before you know living off of the jack in the box dollar menu living out of my office. But you made it. Exactly. But so you, nobody wants to go through that crap again. I use that tool the opposite direction, I think, because I okay, grew good. up. See, this is why I want to hear this. I grew up in a housing project. I lived in the trailer. Some of my best times in my life, I remember having a summer that I lived in a tiny little $150 a month rental trailer in O'Fallon, Illinois once for a whole summer. And I had zero money. O'Fallon, by the way, is just a terrible little town right outside St. Louis. And this, I drove a, like an, a, a $500 Ford Escort and I had a ball. So if I lost everything I had tomorrow, I'd be all right. Let's get a trailer in O'Fallon and we'll start over and it'll be okay. Because <laughs> that's the worst thing could happen to me, right? As long as I have a, a, a good degree of health and freedom, people get too bent about it. You know, they really do. They get too 
worried. And it's like sports, I think. When you play professional sports, if you talk to the great people that play sports, are you stressed about tomorrow? No, I'll win or I'll lose. I just want to have fun out there, you know? And the ones that are all, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this. You just, I think you get in your way and, and the money, if the money's a score and you say, look, I hope I have this much money. And, but it's just really just a score because you, you, if you add up what it takes to live a really great lifestyle, it ain't that much in the grand scheme of things. You can live a really nice lifestyle for yeah. $10,000, $15,000 a month, which to some people may sound like a lot. But I mean, you could have a million and a half dollars in the bank and lifetime accumulated earnings, and you could make that much out of the market and you're fine, right? But the hard part, the hard part is what motivates you once you have multiples of that. So a lot of people go to philanthropy and I see why they do, because it makes sense. You know, they're now that they're comfortable, they want to do something that's, you know, helps other folks. Um, I I don't do a lot of that, frankly. (laughs) You don't do it in that way. You do it. Don't do it in that way. You do it. I'd love to say that I'm, I'm Mr. Generous and all that. But if you know a lot of those people, they don't do it for that reason either. They do it to get on boards, to have more power to, you know, so, so there's, there's really um, people that are ultimately wealthy, like a Bill Gates or whatever. I don't know how the hell they, they motivate. I don't know how they get up in the morning and go, I'm going to do my thing today. Cause you know, I got $141 billion. What are you doing? dude? You know, I, I don't know. That that's so far removed that it's that's far removed for anybody, right? When you say six million dollars in the bank, and I'm like, if I had six million dollars in the bank, I would just live off the interest of some investments, and that's like, yeah, you think you would, but you always worried about losing. That's the down. That's the downside to coming from poverty. You do worry about. There's an awesome. There's an awesome responsibility that comes with a big sum of money. It's funny, like you can, people, people earn X dollars, their lifestyles typically go up to X dollars. Right. Like if you earn $50,000 a year, you live a 50, you live a $60,000 lifestyle. Exactly. You earn, you earn $100,000 a year. You learn, uh, you live $125,000 lifestyle. There's a point where your, your income outstrips your lifestyle need. And now you've got some accumulation, but it's usually a pretty high number before that happens. And people are not very good stewards of the money they earn. But if your great aunt dies and leaves you a million bucks, it's a big bag of responsibility. You know, you're worried about what you're going to do with it. You want to be a good steward of the money. You don't want to look back and feel foolish later. So, well, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it is a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. It is it's a giant responsibility. And, and when you get money in, lump sum, you know, lump sum money, you tend to be way more responsible with it than if you earn it. Your earnings just tend to grow and, you know, that's that. You right? have that like, like lifestyle. All, these, all the Bitcoin. Yeah. All the Bitcoin billionaires that are around. I'm, I laugh about it because I know they're going to be broke soon. It's just you're, if you statistically, if, if a person's a multimillionaire and they lose all their money due to something, they will likely be a multimillionaire again in 36 months. If a cocktail waitress from Tupelo wins $10 million in the lottery in 36 months, she's liable to be broke again. Yeah. Back to the status quo. 
we operate in bands of comfortability. So if you're, you'll subconsciously bring yourself back down to that band of comfortability that you've established in your life. Um, if you're taken either way and the only thing that makes that only thing that makes those bands expand is time. If you gradually accumulate more or you gradually lose, right? If you gradually lose, you accommodate a lower and a lower and a lower lifestyle. If you gradually increase, you accommodate a higher and higher and higher lifestyle. And then if, if an event happens, you tend to snap back. They're like rubber bands. In the stock industry, they call them Bollinger Bands. You know what a Bollinger Band is? You trade stocks. I do. So yeah. If you look at the Bollinger Bands, Bollinger Bands are very much the way people's lives operate. If a stock plunges one day, unless there's some catastrophic reason, right? If a stock plunges, it almost always comes back to that median. If it rises super sharply, it almost always comes back to that median. And the only way that it grows is very, very, very gradually, right? As the market grows, it's what, 7.3% a year, right? If you can, if you're growing at seven to 10% a year, you'll, that'll be the new, right? That's the new, new. It's true with weight in your body. And if you gain, gain two extra pounds a year, you don't, it creeps up on you. And next thing you know, you're a porker like me and, you know, know, (laughs) where if you'd lost it, (laughs) but if I, but if you get super skinny, you know, if you get, if you go on a crash diet and get super skinny in a year, you're going to be right back where you are. Nine tens out, nine tens out, nine, nine out of 10 times. The reason they tell you to lose weight gradually and you'll keep it off. So true. Speaking my language and just a heads up for all of my students that are listening, listen to what he just said. This is what we talk about all the time with the self image and where you're at in life and what you think is your quote normal. It's exactly right on. So let me switch gears for a minute. I want to know about you and how you operate because some people out there might be like, this guy's got it made. What is he doing to just do everything he does, be as productive as you are, be as successful as you are. So I have a four-part question that is based on- My, my assistant sitting in a room right now. She's probably laughing at, you know, how- Well, maybe I should ask uh, her. <laughs> how shit together people think that I am. You know, she, <laughs> she gets to see the up close and personal, right? Well, you um, know what? That's, this question will help with that because we want to go behind the scenes of like, not just the social media- So this acronym is called HERB, H-E-R-B. The H stands for habits. What are your habits, if you have any, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Practically none. (laughs) This is what I love about talking with people like you because everybody else on this show, they're like, oh, I do this, this, and you're like, yeah, not many. (laughs) I get up sometimes early and sometimes I sleep and I eat when I'm hungry and I sleep when I'm ready and I, I don't have hardly any habits. I'm the you most unstructured person. Do I look like I work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then, you know, uh, and I think all these guys that get on and, you know, with all their bullshit are, you know, oh, I'm up at 5.15 every morning and I meditate for 27 minutes and then I do that. I think that's bullshit. I think hey, this is what I love of, about you. This is what I love about you. Like, I, I love the realness. But my... But that shit sells books and my thing don't. <laughs> the, the secret, the secret of a totally hectic lifestyle by Perry Belcher. You the know, I don't think gonna sell a lot of dollars in the bank is uh do whatever you want, whenever you want it. It's all good. 
<laughs> I don't, no, I, I, I think about work way too much. I don't have a lot of outside interest. I, I, uh, um, I don't have hardly any habits. I'm a terrible, I'm terrible with discipline. I'm not a very disciplined person at all. Well, that makes um, me feel better. Cause I'm not either. Oh, I'm horribly, I'm horribly, uh, non that whole thing about make your bed first thing. Are you kidding me? I'm never going to do that. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I might make up the bed this week, you know? Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I just, I've gotten lucky because I, I, I got good at selling stuff. Right. So I, as long as you can sell stuff pretty well, everybody else will probably, will kind of just work around you. Right. It's like being like a savant actor or a, a gifted musician or something, you know, you don't tell, you didn't tell Janice Joplin what time to get up in the morning, you know, <laughs> she's got up what you got damn well ready. Right. Cause, but she could do a thing that nobody else in the world could do. And if you can do something that other people can't do and you see the world through a little different lens and other people see it, you know, um, everybody tries to be like everybody else. And man, it's just, it makes me crazy. Nobody, everybody wants to be like everybody else, but nobody likes normal people. You know, you know, the sum of the, if you're the average person, then you're average. <laughs> Everyone has to be like the average person. Well, now you're average, right? That's it. So, but I don't have hardly any habits other than bad ones. I drink a little. Um, I, I don't know that that's a bad habit. That's just, I, you know, I, 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 I drink a little. I, uh, I don't, what else do I do? It's a bad habit that I can actually talk about in public. Yeah, um, I, I didn't even know I was asking about bad habits, but that's a way more interesting. Well, you ask about habits, you know, I, I promise you I got way more bad habits. Than I got good ones, right? Well, people are going to um, be more interested in that anyway. Yeah, not, I don't, I don't really have any great good habits. That wouldn't be something for me. So what else? All right, habits well, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to the E. <laughs> the E in herb stands for environment. How do you set up your environment for a chaotic shit show. <laughs> I'm sitting in it right now. I'm looking at pillows, a guitar, a bunch of wine bottles, cardboard boxes, bubble wrap. Um, I have to throw things off of myself in my office so people can sit down. Is your assistant still there? Still there. How would she describe your environment? Do you want to say anything? It's chaotic, she says. She's she being nice. She's being very nice. <laughs> she's a very kind young. She's a very kind young lady. Yeah. She's it's being chaotic. Very nice. Okay. Moving on. I do like order. I do like order. I would prefer that everything be in order. I just don't want to put it in order. If somebody else puts it in order. I'll be happy about that. Why don't you just hire somebody to put your stuff in order then? I don't know. It's not important to me, I guess. It's what it's what Alyssa's supposed to do. Why are you doing? You should be doing this, girl. <laughs> Yeah, she was supposed to do that today. She's put that saying, on the to-do yeah. list. Yeah, right. No, I'd prefer for everything to be in order. That'd be great. I just don't want to do it. I I get I get kind of uh I have been really one of the things that I do that's annoying to people, I think that uh, um I'll get indignant sometimes about I'm not gonna mow the grass. I can pay a guy to go mow the grass. I'm not gonna go out and hack and cough and sweat and mow the grass for 80 bucks. I can just sit here and think of anything and it's worth more than 80 bucks. Right. So why would I possibly be going to go mow the damn grass? So I've done that. I've told myself that story so much that I don't have to do anything, which is awesome, but also not so awesome because I, I, I rob myself of some physical activity and experiences that I probably should take advantage of. My environment's fun, fun and comfortable. I would say it's not, 
it's not at all stuffy. I want to, I got a couch. My couch at home is my couch because it's comfortable. My bed's bed because it's comfortable. I would never have like contemporary furniture with a arch that sticks up my back because it looks cool. I drive a big fat car that's like a, like a lazy boy recliner going down the road. I don't like, I don't like sporty cars with hard seats and difficult to, you know. So comfort, comfort is the. the I don't general... like comfort. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Okay, let's let's move on. <laughs> we are. <laughs> are you're scared now, aren't you? Don't know what will happen here. The R stands for resources. These could be either books, programs, mentors, whatever kind of resources that have been helpful or motivational to you that you might recommend. Yeah, I read. I read a. I read a great deal. Okay, let's talk about books then. I listen to more books now than I read. Do you know that this year is the first year that audiobooks surpassed ebooks in sales? I did not know that, but I contribute to that. Yeah, I listen to a lot of books. I read, uh, I don't read as much as I used to because I read a lot of the old stuff, you know, everything about advertising and business philosophy and stuff that was written 100 years ago. I've read all okay, that so shit. Of those, what were some of like your top one or two that you were like, everybody has to read this? Breakthrough advertising, how to win friends and influence people which I didn't pay much attention to, obviously. Um, Thinking Grow Rich had a point that changed my life, but it's kind of a, it's a little bit of an overrated book, but it's a good book. Um, what was the point that changed your life? Just the, the, the proposition of value, understanding that, you know, specialized not, knowledge isn't worth anything. Specialized knowledge along with a plan of action equals income, Right. People that have general, if general knowledge helped people, university professors would be billionaires, right? Mm -hmm. They're not, uh, but very specialized knowledge, learning how to do. I do have one. I have a piece of advice for your audience. I'll give you one. Thank you. Um, I kind of stopped trying to be good at stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, at most stuff. If If I'm not very good at something, I just don't do it anymore. And I spend all of my time trying to get better and better, better at the things that I'm already really good at and that I have a natural propensity for. So like my joke is, you know, how many hours a day do you think Tiger Woods practices his basketball jump shot? The answer is zero. He's a golfer, right? Right. And all he cares about, but people do that. They're like, well, this year I want to get better at blank. Forget that shit. Just get to be the best in the world at what it is you're already good at. Your chances of that are so much greater. Okay, so let me ask you a question about that. Being okay at shit that you're not already good at. What would you say then, based on this advice, to somebody who is pretty darn good at a lot of things? Uh, well, they're pro- they can be pretty darn good at a lot of things, but they're probably extraordinary at one thing. And, and one way to find out maybe what that is, if you're clouded with it, is go ask 50 of your friends when if you described me as being great at something, what would it be? And see if there's a, see if there's a, a, a common answer that runs through them. Like how do other people see you as far as what you're the best at, right? You know what most people think I'm the best at? To be honest, we have asked this question. What do you think people think I'm Marketing. best at? No. Sales? No. Relationships? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I mean like business relationships. <laughs> <laughs> they think I'm funny. Really? 
Yeah. I asked a question the other day, like if you, if, if, uh, I said, for those of you that know me, if I'd done something, if I was do something else other than what I've done, what do you think it should be? And like 80% are a comedian. That's awesome. So I thought it was funny. That's cool. I, it's just interesting though, that that's what people, but I I've done Ryan and I used to do products and every now and then I always do some goofy shit in the middle of a product, you know, and the people would never remember what we were teaching them. They would remember the funny, they remember the bits, you know, we did a product once on audio, uh, how to create audio products. And I said, hi, this is Perry Belcher and Ryan Dice. And right now we're creating audio product. One of the greatest things about creating audio product is that you don't have to be on camera. Nobody knows what you're doing right now. Ryan and I are sitting naked in my bathtub. We've tired a coat hanger <laughs> over the top. We've got bubble bath running. We've tied a coat hanger over the top of my shower curtain so the microphone wouldn't get wet. It's hanging down. So we both have to kind of lean up, talk to the microphone. So if you hear some splash in the background and, and Ryan's like, and you know, Ryan always played the state straight man, you know, we're, oh, yeah. we're absolutely not really that. And that was his, and he did that. Well, we played that. That was a shtick. Right. And, um, but I'll bet you a hundred people walked up to me and said, I remember that. What was the name of that product that you and Ryan did? Where you all were in, in the, the bathtub. bathtub. <laughs> They didn't even remember the name of it. They didn't know what it was about. They just remembered that we were in this. We weren't in the bath, obviously. Weren't. Well, but, they remembered how they felt. Like you made them yeah, feel good. They remembered you were that, laughing. They remembered that emotion. emotion. I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty good storyteller. I'm a good storyteller. I can spin a yarn. So that, so I guess I'm funny and I tell a story and I'm good at simplifying things down to uh, complicated things down in a way that people understand them. Well, I've seen that when you're just telling me, Mindy, it's just math. They're just numbers. This is easy. <laughs> like, don't make it such yeah. a big deal. I'm like, okay. Okay. So moving on to the B, this is our last one. The B in herb stands for beliefs. Booty. Oh, huh? beliefs. Uh, booty. Yeah. <laughs> Not booty. I was sure it was going to be booty. Well, in your world, it probably is. In mine, it's <laughs> Here's She's what I like, want to know. I'm never doing this again. As long as I'm, like, I'm never talking to this guy ever again. I am this is his number delete, out of delete, my cell delete. phone. <laughs> I'm not even going to be on the podcast. This is going straight to the freaking trash can. Straight to the uh, cutting room floor. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Anyway, here's what I want to know. What are your worldviews, the ways in which you see the world, the ways in which you see business, your your core beliefs that have really allowed you and, and propagated the wealth and the success that you've had. I got a billion of those. Uh, Give me a So call. I think really globally, I think more globally than I think most people that live in America do, because most people live in America think very much in the American bubble. Yes. Right? Um, I spend a lot of time in China. In Southeast Asia and uh, South America. I've seen a lot of the ways other people live. I've seen a lot of the, the trends that happen in those guys. I trend watch like mad. Hmm. So I started buying in February of 2020, I stopped buying all products from China and started buying manufacturing equipment because I knew that the supply chain was going to get screwed. And it didn't really get screwed for nine more months, but I totally predicted that. And I'm, I have a big manufacturing business now. It's because I understand how China works. I think people that don't understand how the rest of the globe works and how the economy works at, at a macro level are at a huge disadvantage. I understand the political system inside and out. I love politics. I really, the, not, not the Trump versus Biden politics, but just the mechanics of politics. 
it amazes me that 99 out of 100 American people couldn't tell you how a bill becomes a law. They have no idea. They couldn't tell you the branches of government. They, they just kind of float along and whatever happens to them happens to them. They don't understand. And, and a lot of people say, well, I can't change anyone, which is true, but you can react to it. Right. You may not be able to change a thing, but you can certainly react to a thing. Yeah. I have a lot of beliefs. I don't believe a great deal in, I don't believe I have real strong beliefs about charity and cause-based businesses. I do not believe in them at all. I think that's one of the worst concepts anybody ever had. And I know that everybody, I get a lot of grief over that, but I think business is warfare. Business is business. If you want to, if you, if you want to do good in the world, go make money and give it to people and help the world. But saying, if you'll buy a pair of my ugly ass shoes uh, for a ridiculous price, I'll give another pair of my ugly ass shoes to some kid in Africa you don't know who probably won't wear them because they're too damn ugly is a terrible <laughs> idea. I, I think that's just the dumbest thing that anybody ever did. And Tom's Shoes now is going through a $90 million, a $90 million bankruptcy because of that. It, those business models never work out, but everybody wants to do them. And we're going to build a cause-based business. Start a nonprofit. That's fine. But don't try to, don't try to, you know, you can't turn a hooker into a housewife. You know, there's, there's things that you just can't do. Two things shouldn't mix. It's true. <laughs> For those of you that can't see us right now, my hand is on my head being like, oh, God, <laughs> what? Where are we going with this? Um, Perry, that's really, really interesting to me though, because I am one of those people that try to do that. Like I want business for good. And if you do this, you know, if you buy this, I want to do this other good thing. So I yes, I probably flew right in the middle of your whole business philosophy. And I'm sorry if I did, it's just my belief. It doesn't mean that I'm right. It just no, means that's exactly what I love. About, just the way I feel about it. Yeah. That's, that's what I love about having different opinions on this show and different people's perspectives. And it gives those of us who want to do something like that potentially pause to say, is this the best way to go about it based on what you just said? So I don't, I don't mind that at all. Here's what I would love to ask you. If you were thinking of somebody who is earlier stage in their business and they're struggling, how do they know when to throw in the towel? Like the idea is just not going to work or do they just keep grinding it out what's your advice to them um yeah i'll give you a couple the things that have done the best for me in business in my life and i've had i don't know hundreds of businesses now i guess most of them failed frankly the ones that worked right out of the shoot really well were the ones that worked big the ones that were a struggle right out of the shoot mm. that i was just in love with and that felt theoretically they should work have cost me a fortune wow so if it ain't this happening right away, there's a good chance it ain't going to happen. And my buddy, one of my buddies told me that, and I made fun of him and I told him he was stupid and because he used to do one of my buddies, Mark Lovell, start 10 businesses a year. He'd start something. He put $10,000 in something. He started, didn't work out in three weeks. He just, eh, well, screw it. I lost. He go do something else. He's now really, really, really wealthy. And he would, at the end of the day, I think he was really right. Like attempt a lot of things. Don't fall in love with a singular idea make a lot of attempts and get a lot of at-bats because, you know, the odds of having a successful business your first time out of the gate are not really that high. Business is hard. It's like, it's like, imagine if you're, if you're a singer 
and you put all your hopes and dreams on being a huge singer and you recorded one song and you never recorded another song, right? If the world doesn't like that one song, doesn't mean you're not a good singer. doesn't mean you're not a good songwriter. It may just be the time's not right. The number one indicator, looking back at my career, at everything that's ever gone right, and a lot of what's gone wrong has been based on timing. The number one criteria of the success of the thing has not been me. It hasn't been the idea, hasn't been the business model, hasn't been the team, hasn't been my skill set, hasn't been any of those things. I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And um, now that doesn't mean that's total luck. You can place yourself. I'll, I'll tell you a story real quick one and I'll, I'll please let you I'll let you off the hook because I know you're probably traumatized <laughs> by now. But uh, years ago, I was in a super low point in life. I, I'd already made a lot of money and then I went totally broke. I've been broke twice, three times really, but really broke twice down to like nothing. And I, I had two small children and, I, uh, and a wife and I was in Orlando, Florida, and we had to have money every day. We couldn't have money. I couldn't wait for a paycheck. We were that broke. So I started driving a cab and then I, I, I had an old car. It wasn't a great car. It wasn't a bad car. And uh, I drove the cab during the day and my wife had the car for the kids. So she needed to go somewhere. And we were making, we were surviving. And one day I came home and I asked to use her car. And when I came, she came back, I had, I was pulling a hot dog cart behind um, the cab. What? And she wanted to know where the car was. And I had traded the car for the hot dog cart because I'd met a guy that was making good money selling hot dogs. So, well, there's a lot of people selling hot dogs. This story has an extension. It's a real hoot. I can't believe I'm telling this. This is the story I chose to tell. But uh, anyway, so the next day I went out to make my fortune in the hot dog industry. Yeah. And um, after I drove the cab at night during the day, I'd sell hot dogs. And the first day I sold hot dogs, I sold $85 for the hot dogs and made about 30 bucks. A little disappointing. And because I was on the road with on the side of the road near the construction sites with all the other hot dog guys. And uh, I did that for like three weeks and I was, and oh my God, she was furious. And I was disappointed and depressed and everything was bad in life. And somehow I don't even remember who told me or if I got an idea from somebody else or whatever. But one night I took my hot dog cart and I parked it in front. This, this is a strip in Orlando that had all these nightclubs. And I parked it out there selling hot dogs at one o'clock in the morning when the bars closed. Yeah, that's when everybody wants to eat a hot dog. I made 1500 bucks that night. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and from then on, I sold all my hot dogs at night. I went to special events and ended up making over $100,000 a year schlepping hot dogs. Wow. Had three more carts. Now, to tack on that story, by the way, the very first information product I ever sold was called Hot Dog Cart Secrets, How to Open a Hot Dog Cart Business. And I sold over a million dollars worth of that course. And that, Are you serious? That's a true story. True story. That's how Frank Kern and I met. Frank sent a message to Ryan because Ryan knew me. And he said, I heard about this guy selling, sold a million dollars of the hot dog course. I want to meet him. And I went with Ryan and met Frank Kern. And that's how Frank Kern and I got to be friends. Isn't that a funny story? That is a crazy story. <laughs> but... Had I kept doing everything the way everybody else did it, I would have been broke, right? So the timing for the hot dog cart business in the mainstream wasn't so good, but the timing for a hot dog cart business at one, two in the morning was really good. So sometimes, you know, I would never quit completely. I, I think a pivot's a way, way better than a quit, unless your idea is just 
horrible, you know, but your idea probably had some merit at some time, you know, it just may be that you did it in the wrong place with the wrong people at the wrong time. But anyhow, that's, uh, how's that? I think that's really, really helpful. So I have one final question for you. If people who are listening, they're like, who is this guy? I need to know more about this guy. What is he up to? I got nothing. <laughs> I don't have anything for sale. I don't have a, I got a blog. I haven't updated in three Listen, years. I got, I know nothing. you have opt-ins. I know you have stuff out I don't. There. You, you, I really don't. All right. Well, I'll, Not find any, I'll find something. They can join the war room. Mar- they can join the war room mastermind for $40,000 a year. That's pretty that's- much there. Seriously. That's the only thing I do anymore. And I speak at TNC. That's all I do. I don't do anything in the marketing space anymore. I just, I've got too much. I'm spending way too much time running my businesses. And well, don't you have other, like you're seeking other things to invest in or no? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not really right now. I'm kind of, my wagon's pretty full right now. The thing I need more than anything else in the world right now are competent people to come work with me. I hire entrepreneurs. So I help people not just to give them a job, but to give them a salary and some stability, but also the ability to make an unlimited income, you know, so, and not, you know, schlepping Amway. I'm talking (laughs) running businesses and, you know, actually learning, learning what I do. So I bring in a few people a year that come to work and, um, I pay them. Okay. You know, the Molly Pittman was one of my interns. Yeah. She's rocking. You know that? I, I yeah. did not Molly know that. Was, that's a good story. Molly came in for an interview and I keep asking people, I, a lot of times I'll say, well, why, why, why? And she said, what do you want to do? And she said, I want to do this. Why? And I, and I, I want to make this one a why, why I want to go here. Why? And I kept asking her why, because sometimes you get to a real emotional reason somebody drives and Molly stopped me about three whys in and she says, dude, look, this is an intern job. I'm 22 years old. I don't know what the fuck I want to do. Said, You're hired. <laughs> and she yeah. t- ask her about that story. That's how and Molly. That awareness is, is awesome. She's, she's a brilliant young lady. I love her to death. She's so smart. That is great. Well, Perry, thank you for your time, for your wisdom, for your stories, for your humor, even more than I anticipated. <laughs> I really, really appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Take care. See you soon. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Lucrative Society on iTunes. And please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources or to become a member of The Lucrative Society where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heart set. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.